Shazam? What a joke. I'm nobody. I came because I had no choice. I came to save my home and the people that I love. Truth. Justice. The American way. Hello and welcome to Elseworlds, a DC fan podcast, which is presented by To the Infinity Saga and Beyond MCU Fan Podcast. My name is Jordan Wigand, and joining me for the first time on this show is Jack, my good friend Jack. How are you today, Jack? Very good. A little tired, but still <laughs> ready to talk some uh, DC and especially Peacemaker. Yes, we are going to be talking some Peacemaker. What a joke. What a great show, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking some Peacemaker. Um, we'll we'll kind of start off with the history of the character. We'll go into some of our thoughts on the Suicide Squad, and then we'll go into, you know, where that kind of left Christopher Smith leading into the show, and then, you know, his journey on this show and some of the new characters that we've been introduced to uh, on the show. Uh, which was for me a pleasant surprise. I mean, I, I knew before I saw Suicide Squad, James Gunn was making Peacemaker, and uh, you know, I, I bought a Peacemaker shirt before going to see Suicide Squad. I was very excited for John Cena's Peacemaker. Ended up hating him at the end, uh, and then I was kind of like, I'm not so sure I'm excited for a show about this guy. And I was, you know, January 13th rolls around. I was kind of dreading it. And I was like, all right, let's let's see what the show is. Right. And I watched it um, before going to see my fourth showing of Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> and uh, watched like the first episode or two. And because uh, they released three at once and then uh, really fell in love with the show. And, you know, uh, thankfully it, you know, he just a show that I wasn't expecting much from even after seeing the trailers and stuff that I ended up really enjoying this show too, where I think no matter what Marvel puts out this year, this is probably the top show of 2022 for me. Um, so let's start with, with Jack here. Uh, you, you haven't been on any of our, I think I've only done three of these DC else worlds episodes anyway, but uh, so I'm going to ask you just a general question, your favorite DC character and then after that, we'll ask you more about the the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. But uh, I know you're not a big Batman or Superman guy, so <laughs> who, who's your who's your DC character? Yeah, well, most of I, I've got to admit, I didn't watch like a ton of DC EU stuff. Uh, honestly, this uh, I watched the first Suicide Squad mistake uh, <laughs> that 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 took me away from watching a lot of DC stuff for a little bit. But then I, I decided to give the suicide squad a chance i was uh coming uh home from florida and uh it was just on the plane and i was like you know what i i've heard i've i remember seeing all the trailers for this uh and so i watched that and i i was kind of hooked on it and then i heard about this peacemaker show and then i watched that on the way back from the airport so 
uh, I started watching it there. I just realized I went I went the wrong the wrong direction in these two two questions, but uh, it's uh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> favorite DC character. Most of most of the DC characters I know come from Injustice. I played that on the Wii U because I didn't have an Xbox or PlayStation. So uh, I my favorite of those I really liked Deathstroke. He seemed like a funny, sarcastic type of character, like Deadpool. I'm I'm guessing there's something to do with that that they're connected in some way. But I also do like the Flash. I, I like the Flash. I think he. Out of the Justice League members, he's probably my favorite of them. Uh, you know, I, I I love I love the suit. Uh, I I feel like he's probably the most. He feels, despite having the maybe one of the craziest superpowers, feels the most human, uh, if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, I, I I do like him as well. Who was that that you mentioned at the end? Flash and who? Uh, a flash that yeah just flash. I, I okay. like okay. the flash yep just flash yeah green lantern maybe a little bit but i don't know enough about him really to beyond the injustice games yeah yeah uh so i get i guess they use hal jordan in that right yeah um yeah. in the injustice games i've never played those I've, I've heard good things about them but it sounds like it's another superman goes evil plot line which will kind of mm-hmm kind of tired of um, the first one is at least it is a good it is a good story i i did enjoy the story but i if if you if you're tired of that plot line you're not gonna like it very well much. the only reason we're tired of it and most superman fans are tired of it is because it's really the only storyline that dc has really done mm. in every like they did a lot of comics about it they've done the game about it they've done you know the Zack snyder um justice league movie is about uh was setting up an evil superman um you know it, it's just something that they've continually done in all branches of media that you're like, okay, well, how about just like the happy go lucky Superman? Where's he at? Like from the, from the nineties or like eighties, seventies, those movies. Yeah. Right. I remember watching those. I do. I do remember those. (laughs) Uh, But you're right. Deadpool is connected to Deathstroke. Deathstroke was made by, uh, by DC comics and Deadpool was made as like a parody of Deathstroke and uh, Marvel's Deathstroke. And then it kind of took on more of a fourth wall breaking type of character later on. So, um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I thought it was interesting because I think uh, on one of the Marvel shows we had done, I had asked if you were going to see suicide squad. I think it was like back before the movie came out and you had then mentioned about how you didn't really, care for the dc stuff i was like it's james gunn it's gonna be great and then uh just randomly on your trip back i got a message saying that you watched peacemaker and suicide squad i was like oh great so it was just on the uh on the flight on the delta is that who you took right yeah yeah i I was just on delta so i guess shout out to delta for uh for getting me into this uh you know they don't really need the advertisement or anything like that but Either way, that, I'll tag them in the it. episode. Yeah, uh, they, you know, that's that's how I found it. I, on the way there, I watched Psycho because I had to for a class, and then on the way back, I was just like, eh, I want a fun movie. I want a really fun one after seeing, you know, Psycho. So is that uh, where you watch it on your phone, or is it like on no, a TV? It's on. It's on the TV, like on the on, oh, on, on the, the back, back of, the, of seat? the seat. Yeah. Okay, because so, Southwest has like a on your phone. Oh, okay you uh you sign into what they their uh like their wi-fi and they have free movies free live tv free tv shows 
and they have a, like a, a list of them. And uh, so that's I, how that's how I watched Aquaman on my way down. So I took a page <laughs> from Jack, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I haven't watched Aquaman. I'm I'm a fan of both DC and Marvel. Why not? You know, I've heard good things. Let's just I own it. I even own it. <laughs> haven't sat down to watch it ever. And I was like, let's just sit down and, and see how it is. And I watched it on my flight. And you know what? It took the whole flight. And by the time I was, uh, by the time the credits are rolling, we're landing. So that was fun. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I, I, the main thing that, that when I was like scrolling through, because they have like hundreds of movies on that. I remember the ads, uh, from the scene in the suicide squad, I guess spoilers, if you haven't seen that, but if you're watching an episode on peacemaker, I'm assuming you probably have seen that. Uh, the scene where Nanawe is uh, talking to Peacemaker about the bomb that he made that looks like him. And ju- I remember that ad so distinctly because it popped up on like every single YouTube video and every single show I did watched. It really? It, it did. I have no idea why, but uh, so I, I just remembered that. And I was like, eh, I mean, it looked like it could be funny. So I, I booted up and it was a good decision. Yeah, that is... Uh... That is a good, you know, I don't even remember that being in trailers. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I, it was just a random five second ad. I feel like that just premiered uh, in front of some videos and it was like an unskippable wow. one. So it just kind of oh, okay. implanted Stuck it in your into head. the brain. Yeah, there there. You yeah. Go. That's how they, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yeah, it's you. funny though. You mentioned, you know, if they're listening to an episode about Peacemaker, they probably watch Suicide Squad, but you know, it was funny is this guy at work I work with. He was like, Hey, do you watch Peacemaker? And I was like, yeah, we're talking about Peacemaker. And he's like, I, I said something about Suicide Squad. He's like, oh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I was like, well, this kind of like <laughs> unfortunately spoils Suicide Squad for you. Like that sucks. But I think there are some people that just heard the good news about it. I mean, um, looking at, uh, I sent you an article yesterday or a tweet from James Gunn that I'm trying to find here because uh, I partially sent it to you so you can see it. And then I was also like, oh, I can refer to this, <laughs> you know, uh, on the show. And not it had the it. biggest, the biggest, uh, like uh, viewing of any HBO single match. Day. Yep. yep. Best single day performance of a Max original series and finale viewing was up forty four percent over the premiere. That's pretty good. And now, of course, we have to qualify it with Max original because there are still some shows on HBO Max that are HBO originals. So you have like euphoria this probably didn't outdo a euphoria probably it not. probably didn't outdo secession or any of like those big hbo shows but those are technically hbo originals that also premiere on hbo max so i'm thinking they mean an actual max original which are what like the the i think a max original is like the sex in the city spinoff so it's doing better than that uh you know it, which is amazing because i actually don't think i see that many people talk about this show like you are literally the only person I know and the guy at work are the only two people I know that watch Peacemaker and uh, it's insane. Yeah. And then for me, the only other person I know who, who watches it is besides you, obviously is my dad. So he, he and I right. have watched it a little bit and been trying to get some family members and friends. in. I went out with a, a friend last night, hoping I uh, talked to him about the show and uh, he hopefully is going to give it a shot. I, I, I hyped it up. So where does AJ Maybe. sit on this? Where where do we? I I I haven't asked him about it yet. We we've, we've got to get him on board to to watch it. It's, it's yeah, a good show. 
Yeah, I've been trying to get people to, uh, you know, I say it's James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the thing is, it is a little gruesome. So there are times mm-hmm. where I think people would have, like, my wife can't watch it. She can't watch any of those. And I think my parents couldn't really, like, my parents, we went to see Suicide Squad and, and they were kind of a little grossed out, I think, at times with it. <laughs> um, like, my mom sat next to me. I could just feel her, like, cringing and stuff. Um, but, uh, all right, let's get into the history of the character. I just want to kind of cover this, too, for people that don't know Peacemaker outside of the show. He first appeared in a... So, originally, he was created for Charlton Comics uh, and for an espionage team named Fightin' Five. And they had Fightin' Five issue 40. Um, November 1966 was his first appearance. When the series was canceled the next issue, he received his own line that lasted five issues in 67. And uh, then Charlton Comics fell apart in the mid-80s and DC Comics acquired Peacemaker and a lot of other Charlton Comics characters and released a four-episode, I mean, four-issue miniseries January through April of 1988. So some, uh, you know, not a, not an original DC creation. He didn't really start joining them till the eighties. And it just shows the, the obscure characters James Gunn is picking out for, for some of these. Like I had known King shark. I had known Harley Quinn, new Rick flag, you know, all those pretty much staples, but polka dot man, I'd heard of as a joke, you know, like people mentioned him as a joke. Uh, Bloodsport was not very popular or well-known. Um, Peacemaker did not know anything about him before the movie. And uh, who, uh, Ratcatcher did not know anything about Ratcatcher or Ratcatcher 2 in, <laughs> you know, before the movie came out. So, uh, And then, of course, you have all the ones that get killed off. You know, Javelin, Blackguard, like TDK. Yeah. You know, Captain Boomerang, I knew him. He's a pretty big Flash villain. But, you know, the, these other ones are just characters I had no idea about. And I actually like that. It, it lets it it lets these other characters take a moment to shine and get a chance to learn new characters that, you know, when they relaunched the Suicide Squad comic in 2021, Peacemaker's front and center because they just knew, like, this guy, like it's probably going to be a big hit with John Cena. And uh, I'm not sure how much like the, the comic people get to know about where things are heading, but they probably already knew he was getting a TV show at the same time. So they're probably like, let's start putting him more front and center in some of these comics because people are going to like him and people are going to search out for peacemaker comics. And there's a, not a lot. There's not a lot of peacemaker comics. Unfortunately, I did read this like 40 issue one, a 40 page one shot. Uh, I'd sent you the picture of it. I forget what it's called. It's like Peacemaker. Um, should be on my DC Infinite. It's a little different. It doesn't show him as Peacemaker at all. It's literally him having a conversation with like a journalist and pretty much talking about his whole life and how he got there. It's called Peacemaker Disturbing the Peace. Um, and it's before he joins the Suicide Squad. And we learn about his past, and it's a little different than what it is in this show. Like, his his dad is not uh, White Dragon in in the comics. And 
in this comic, he actually comes home from school late to find that his, his stepfather and his mother had killed themselves and killed the rest of the family. And he's eight years old and it kind of puts him on the path of being messed up. And, uh, you know, then he kind of hangs out like he goes to foster home to foster home. One of his foster parents gets killed in a bank robbery. The bank robbers kind of take him and they're like a Bonnie and Clyde type of thing. And, you know, he ends up with them for a bit. And uh, then again, foster home to foster home to army and all this kind of stuff that it was really interesting read. Um, but we didn't get to see him like suit up or anything in that, in that comic, but it was, it was an interesting comic to read, but very different from the peacemaker that we know from the, from the movie and, and from the show. So let's get into our thoughts about the suicide squad movie first, before we move into the show, what was, uh, what was some of your expectations, I guess, going into the, into the movie and, um, Cause I know now you've watched it like five times. So yep. Cause I, I think at first, like your first tweet uh, or direct message to me was like, Oh, it was, it was good. Right. Like it was after a rough first five minutes, it was, it was good. <laughs> and then it seems like the more you watch it, the more you really liked it. So I wanted to just ask kind of what were your expectations and then how have those changed when you revisit it? Yeah. Well, of course, like the expectation when you're watching, like just a movie on a plane is just like, you know, just something to do. Uh, well, you know, you don't have internet really, I guess, right, right? Is the is the main thing. So I was just like, I, w- I want to watch a superhero movie. I've seen all these Marvel ones before. Uh, and you know, that uh, this one seems interesting. So I, I went into it just with very few expectations, just you know, it'll be something interesting. And the plot just like felt absurd, like throughout it, which I think is kind of what drew me into it. Like, the fact that that it just seemed so wild and like you know the the shock of the first 10 minutes as well where like they set up all of these characters to be like you know a big thing i i will say i didn't like weasel as much as jordan did i know uh, <laughs> you, you tweeted or you messaged me and you're like i did not like weasel i'm like weasel's so cute like, he's so he good. freaked me out he freaks me out a little bit too much it's like and then Rocket of course Raccoon is, is James Gunn's path. brother. Uh, yeah, I, I, doing the motion <laughs> capture for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it looks like if Rocket Raccoon took a few rough, rougher paths in life, uh, that's that's what <laughs> get some involved in drugs or something. Yeah, yeah. That that's what it looks. That's what it looks like. Uh, but you know, I, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it uh, enough. And then after watching the first few episodes of Peacemaker. I went back through it again, watched it again, and was like, this is even better this time now. Uh, and, you know, I, I watched a few more episodes of Peacemaker, then went back to the Suicide Squad again to watch it again, and started to notice, you know, something that people commented about both in Peacemaker and in the Suicide Squad, which is the soundtracks, which are fantastic in both of them. And the soundtrack really makes the movie even better when you listen to that with a nice uh with a good ear to it uh but yeah i i mean that that's like that that's that's kind of how that evolved over time where where you know i i went into it with very little expectations but then each time i feel like i noticed different details that were popping up uh and you know it it just got better and better (laughs) yeah i mean i was uh you know kind of following along this trajectory you know james gunn gets fired 
for his tweets from Disney. And, you know, WB says, let's swoop in here and give him whatever he wants, which was a great decision. It probably would have worked out better if there wasn't a pandemic. I think the movie would have done better in a regular time frame um, and not being on HBO Max at the same time. Like, I, I really think it would have done better than than it did. Everybody trying to say it's a flop is, you know, it's a little rough when you're in the middle of and even then August was kind of like when people were starting to worry about um, uh, what was the first variant? <laughs> uh, Delta. Delta. There yep, you yep. go. There's been another. We've been, been so Omicron now that it's like, oh yeah, yeah, Delta. That was one. Um, hey, and what a coincidence! You were on Delta Airline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Delta is all over this. It's some sort of sign. Um, but <laughs> we get, uh, you know, I, I was following along with it back when they were filming and saw some set photos, and I'm very excited to see what it was. There was a lot of rumors about who he had. You know, everybody kind of thought. Uh, Idris Elba were, was going to be a recast of Will Smith's Deadshot. Um, and I think originally, if you look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, some concept art shows Deadshot in this movie. And I'm thinking he originally wrote it with Deadshot, and because uh, Deadshot also has a daughter, that um, once he couldn't get Will Smith, he decided to not recast a role, but just put in Bloodsport instead, which I think is a good move because I didn't want anything to overwrit canon of like what we've already got. You know, I know some people like yourself don't really like the 2016 Suicide Squad. I was more okay with it. I I, I kind of went in though with the expectation of everybody saying how bad it was that I kind of was like, oh, this was all right. Um. And no, it wasn't as good as, as this one at all or anything, but you know, it was kind of like, for me, I was like, Oh yeah, this is like better than I thought it was going to be. And I didn't want anything to overwrite that in case. What if Will Smith can come back for another one of these, then you can have both of them. Like there's no reason to kind of overwrite anything. So I really liked that when he, uh, I remember <laughs> the day that they did their DC fandom in August, I think it was of 2020, we went to help my wife's friend get engaged. Like her, her boyfriend was like, Hey, help us. You know, like do, we were going to be there and it was at a, like a corn maze type of thing. And I remember, so it's not great service, but I remember like it was a hot day. We, we sit down to like eat after that or like sit in the shade and I'm like refreshing Twitter. And I see, the video that James Gunn released that has like all those cool logos for all the characters and who they're playing. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I don't know any of these characters. This is so exciting. Like, this is awesome. And, you know, then fast forward to the movie actually releasing in 2021. And I was, uh, you know, I went with my mom and dad and, uh, my dad actually still likes the 2016 one better. He's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, you know, I was like, no, this movie was great. This is probably my favorite DC uh, extended universe movie as it stands right now. And it was just a ball for me to watch. Now, then it was also on HBO Max, but I was like, I wanted to see this in theaters. Yeah, I wanted to see it on the big screen, wanted to see all that. And then in um, the next day, the Saturday, I think we went and saw it on a Friday. The Saturday, I woke up early in the morning, went downstairs and watched it on my TV on HBO Max. So I watched it two times that weekend. Um, 
before my wife was up because she wouldn't want to watch it. And then, you know, kind of kind of left it there for a bit and then bought it on Blu-ray. Didn't get a chance to watch it on Blu-ray before Peacemaker came out. And then, you know, really dug that. And I was like, let's revisit the movie again. So I've only seen it, I think, three times. But um, I bought the soundtrack after the first or second time I watched it. Uh, I have a playlist that's called Suicide Squad. And it's just music from that and music from Peacemaker. I that, I actually have, I have the same there. thing. I <laughs> I have uh I have uh one called uh DC Bangers curated by James Gunn. <laughs> so that that's that's what I've got. Yeah, yeah. I have a few playlists on here that have like superhero theme stuff, you know, the other the uh and, and one the first I also had to go to the get the score, not the whole score, but I got the radism song because it's just uh, my favorite song from the movie i think it is really good it is really good and I'm, it makes me really excited for john murphy doing guardians of the galaxy volume three because he didn't do the first two tyler bates did but uh with his work on suicide squad and his work on um peacemaker i'm like really pumped for <laughs> see what he brings in uh but you know in suicide squad my favorite character's Rick Flag, of course, I enjoyed him in 2016. I enjoyed him again in this one, and he was much more, he was much better in this movie as well. And I'm glad he, that Gunn had some of that carryover of, oh, yeah, let's bring in Joel Kinnaman, and he, he can do Rick Flag. And we acknowledge the history between Rick, Harley, and Captain Boomerang, and that's all you need to really acknowledge, right? Like, you don't need to acknowledge a lot of the other events. Just acknowledging that acknowledges the movie but also says we're doing something different and uh that's what i liked about it because it doesn't have to be like a trilogy or anything in the sense of a a, a singular storyline stretched out across three movies or whatever it can just be oh it's another suicide suicide squad movie and we're picking out these characters to continue it kind of really felt like a comic run of okay these people have history but we're not talking about that history. They just kind of mention, oh, yeah, we work together. And that's all you really need to know. And uh, so I really liked Rick Flag. Uh, I really enjoyed Bloodsport in this. Uh, you know, Idris Elba was, was great in this movie. And then we get Ratcatcher 2, who, again, was like a scene stealer for me. And then, of course, I really liked Peacemaker. I really liked John Cena and Bloodsport's, like, uh, um, banter and and their relationship, and then to see that, um, you know, when it came to the Rick Flag fight versus Peacemaker, I was very upset because I was like, these are two of my favorites. Like, I don't want. I knew one of them was going to die at that point, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, well, Peacemaker's not going to die. He's got a show. Like this, this is going to suck. Rick Flag's going to die, and then we get to Bloodsport killing Peacemaker, and I'm like, well, maybe the show's a prequel then. I don't know. Like, they weren't very clear in, in the run-up to it if it was going to be a prequel or a sequel, and I, I thank them for that because it kind of left me with, okay, maybe not. And then we get the end credit scene of, no, he's alive, which I'm sure I think they filmed during Peacemaker and just stuck in yeah. there at the end. Um, but those were my favorite characters. Who are who are your favorite characters of James Gunn's Suicide Squad? Oh, I mean... I liked a lot of them. Uh, Bloodsport was my favorite for sure. Uh, Idris Elba, always a winner when whenever he's cast in anything. I, I feel like he makes the movie ten times better uh, in any movie he's in. I I really like Idris Elba 
as an actor. Uh, so that was great. I also really liked Polka Dot Man. Uh, I thought I thought he was funny. Uh, it, it was it, he had he had a great storyline throughout it too. Uh, the running joke with his mom in it as well was hilarious. I noticed actually that uh, something in that scene where like uh, where he first tells everyone about like his backstory, uh, it where every, where his mother's face gets superimposed onto everyone in it. Uh, so. Is it? It's Sebastian. Yeah, the the uh, rat catcher 2's main yeah. rat. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he. Um, yeah, he he actually gets him. he gets his uh his face superimposed with uh polka dot man's mother as well. Uh, oh, I, does I noticed, he? Yeah, I noticed, I that, I noticed uh, that in my in like my third rewatch. So I I was just looking and I was like, wait a second, I could see the glasses on the hair on him, <laughs> and so that was kind of funny. Uh, so that that was great. I also really liked uh, you know, I I. I liked Ratcatcher too. I thought I thought she was great. The relationship between her and Bloodsport throughout this was great as well. Uh, re- really, really made the movie a lot more emotional, which was great. And then Harley Quinn throughout throughout the movie. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad that was uh, like that. That's a casting that was kept in this movie because you know it, she she was really funny in this movie. What I, one of my favorite lines from the from her in that is uh the very beginning when they're getting lifted off to first go to the the mission the actual suicide mission uh she she's talking to uh javelin and she says i love your accent and he's like american women always love him and then in a very distinct accent she says yeah because we don't got none and i was like it's 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 such a genius joke because it, it only works because of how it's said but you know, I, I think that that's that just shows like, you know, Harley Quinn's kind of humor and uh, it and the comedy that she brings to it. But she's the perfect Harley Quinn. She really is. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and that's what I think. I think Gunn really got her to be the perfect Harley Quinn, because there's times like I, I watched Birds of Prey. That was actually one of the last movies I saw before covid you know kind of closed everything Mm -hmm. down it was birds of prey and onward were like my last two theater experiences before 2020 uh stopped everything and i i remember leaving like uh, see and again that's expectations i went in thinking this movie's got a lot of great reviews i like harley quinn i like um you know some of these other characters i'm excited to see black mask as a villain i go in there and i left kind of disappointed because it really felt unnecessarily r where there was like probably three moments that could have just been cut and you would have been like, Oh, that's PG 13. So it just seems like they want it to do an R R rated thing. I guess. I don't know, but it was kind of, and then she didn't get a chance to really be Harley. Like her costume in that movie is not anything like it is in this one. We need more black and red Harley wearing stuff than, whatever she's been wearing in the DCEU before this movie, like that wardrobe was great for her in this. It was classic Harley. It was, uh, I feel like her, the writing for her was, was great in this. Um, like that scene when she, when she kills the, um, you know, the dictator and, you know, she's like talking about red flags and what she's learned from being with associating with Joker and yep. dating Joker and all that kind of stuff. It, it worked out 
really well. And I, and I appreciate that as well with James Gunn. Cause again, that's something that he's acknowledging in this universe that he didn't need to technically, I guess they're, they're letting him do whatever he wanted, you know? And I think he's mentioned a few times that they let him do whatever he wanted, but he kind of made those choices to kind of keep some of that stuff intact, which I appreciate because it's, you know, for fans of, of those movies and whatever, and anybody that goes and watches them, in any sort of combination in the future, it'll feel consistent. It'll feel yeah. okay. She did suicide squad. She went to um, birds of prey. And then after birds of prey, we see her in the suicide squad and we get like this storyline of her kind of freeing herself from Joker and that thread runs through it and her kind of becoming her own, her own person. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, I think that might've been something that gun kind of took from working in the MCU you know, one thing that I think the the DCEU has been missing compared to the MCU has been, you know, that's that sort of continuity. It, it feels like and this could be inaccurate, but based off of an outside perspective, one of the things I've seen people complain about is that they're they're too quick to write things out when they're unpopular. Whereas, you know, in the MCU, Thor the Dark World was unpopular, but they still go through with it. They don't try and make it. Uh, not canon or trying to yeah, uh, like they double down they put exactly it, they put it in the biggest movie of all time with Endgame. exactly so yeah. that that's what I, I i think i appreciate that as well because it shows that you know it it shows the value of keeping that continuity even when things aren't bad or or are bad you know or seemingly not as good as they could be you know sometimes attaching them to that other movie makes them better because it provides further context and that connection makes it more meaningful in the future. So I think that's, uh, that that's probably something he took from working in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, and that's one thing the MCU and even star Wars right now is getting a lot of credit for because, you know, star Wars has been pulling in on the Disney plus shows. Anyway, they've been pulling in comic book characters. They've been pulling in the animated series characters. They've been, making references to the sequel trilogy that even a lot of people hate that trilogy. They're, they're still not like, no, we're not overwriting anything. We're going to make it work with whatever we got. And we're going to bring in every single piece of star Wars and Marvel does the same thing. We're going to bring in it like Eternals gets a lot of crap. I don't think they're going to change their plans with it. It may not make a sequel to it, but these characters are still going to be around in the MCU. And I think the same thing, with this and at this point, you know, when Gunn is done Guardians and he's going to be doing a lot more DC television work, just just let him control the DCEU, I guess. I don't <laughs> know if he wants to. I don't know if he wants to. He when he left Marvel and DC called him up, they said you can have whatever property you want. He could have touched Batman if he wanted to. He could have done Superman. He could have done whatever. He he opted to choose characters that he wanted to do Suicide Squad because he really loved those comics growing up. And he wanted to touch some of these characters that are not as popular. They interest him more is what he's been saying a lot in these. So, you know, I don't want anybody to be like, let's force him in to do some Batman or anything. He's not going to be interested, I don't think. Even though Batman's his favorite DC character, he's... You know, he, I don't think he's interested in that. He wants to kind of explore. And with these side characters like Peacemaker that don't have a lot of fans, you're able to kind of leave your mark the same way he did with Guardians, where, you know, when Guardians is popular, then it's that that team in Guardians of the Galaxy, the film, 
was the most recent team in 2008. Like there was older guardians that they could have chosen, but he chose these characters, I think because some of them were not well known and he's able to make rocket his own. He's able to make Groot his own thing, you know? And uh, I think that's what drew him to this. He's able to, you know, kind of do whatever he wants with, with Peacemaker. He's able to do whatever he wants with Bloodsport because <laughs> these characters were not having fans line up like, these are my favorites. But they end up becoming people's favorites. Um, you know, like I was talking about before on the Marvel show at times, like I grew up and the only big superheroes to be fans of were Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. And now people can say Rocket Raccoon is their favorite superhero you know and that's because of james gunn and what mm -hmm. he did with guardians and uh i'm sure there's now dc people that say my favorite character is peacemaker or it's Bloodsport, and those are characters that nobody gave a crap about <laughs> beforehand um all right let's go into uh just real quick before we get into the show what was your thoughts about peacemaker as a character in, as we left the suicide squad movie uh, I didn't like him, uh, obviously. Like, um, I, I will say, you know, I, I know some people were like, oh, he, he's a totally awful person for, for, what, for what he was doing. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I, do, I do feel his point a little bit. Like, he wants to keep the peace. The way he's trying to do it is misguided. Uh, so it doesn't make him a totally unsympathetic character. And also, you know, if Amanda Waller was the one who told him to cover that up, he can't exactly disobey. Otherwise she's going to, you know, blow him up using an explosive device in his, in his brain. So, uh, I, I, I get, I get like a, why he did it, but I still did not like him, especially after he started like, uh, with, I, I was, I was a little bit less sad about the Rick flag death compared to you. Like he was still sad, obviously, but, uh, when he when he started trying to go for rat catcher too and she's like just destroy the drive why would you have to kill me and he's like i'm thorough and i was like yeah no i i hate this guy <laughs> i really don't like him now uh so uh i i didn't i i wasn't really sure what to think about it uh like uh going into it and i will say the the first the reason why i chose to watch the show is because you know uh when i got off the plane I went on to TikTok and one of the first videos I saw was the intro song right. on TikTok. And I was just like, this looks funny and this looks great. Uh, where do I watch this and what is it? And uh, so I, I went straight from there to, to watching it. And yeah, it, it, that, so that, that's kind of what I went into the show thinking. I was like, it's going to have a funny intro scene uh, and it's going to, and, you know, it, it's going to feature a guy that I probably don't like that much, but I'm interested to see what happens with him. Yeah, I, I was kind of in that same boat, like I said about earlier. And he. Um, he yeah, I mean, the Rick Flag thing was kind of like strike one, but when he was about to kill Ratcatcher, it was like oh, strike two. Um, but I, I love the way Gunn also just plays with the with the time in that movie and um, the the graphics on the screen, like the the title cards, mm -hmm. you know, Operation Harley, you know, yep. well, first it says Operation Jotunheim. Right. And then they're like, but one thing we got to do first. And then it goes 
the smoke making it Harley. Like it's that kind of creative stuff that he was doing with, with it. And, um, you know, the, the, all those characters dying in the beginning to, uh, kind of an upbeat song about people who die. Like it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty James Gunn and, you know, Peacemaker, I was kind of like, all right, let's see what, what you got. But yeah, before I was able to watch it, everybody's talking about the, the opening credit scene. Um, and I was like, yeah, this looks good. And then uh, sat down to watch it and, and really enjoyed it. And, you know, it picks up five months after, you know, the building falls on him <laughs> and he, he and survived. Af- and yeah, five months after not only the building falls on him and he gets shot in the throat. So yes, yes. <laughs> some, somehow he survives and recovers in five months from that. Yeah, he's you know he's just built well, I guess. I yeah, don't know. I guess he's built different. That's. <laughs> but you know he returns home, and I liked seeing his home. You know, it being just a regular trailer in a trailer park, and all of the America stuff that he has littered around the yard, and um, then we're actually introduced to some new characters. We get introduced to Leota Adebayo. We get introduced to uh, Clemson Mern. And then, of course, we already know Amelia Harcourt and John Economos from the Suicide Squad, which I thought was great that he was able to bring those characters in to kind of continue another piece of connectivity to the Suicide Squad movie. Um, And this is where they learn out that you learn that, you know, Project Butterfly. And uh, it is funny that both of these, you know, Project Starfish and Project Butterfly are both very similar, right? With mm-hmm. with them taking over the host, but they're done very differently. Like Starro, of course, is controlling you from the outside, and you lose all of your personality. The butterflies actually retain all of the information from the host, and in sense, some of that personality still transfers. But nobody knows that something's wrong with you. Like, and I think that's scarier, right? Like mm-hmm. anybody could have been a butterfly. And James Gunn before the before the show said that the theme song, while funny the first few times, can take on different meanings when you see more of the show. And what I took from that is, you know, there's a lot of characters that end up getting butterflied. And the dance moves are very emotionless butterfly-esque you know and when you see the the three cops now and you get to see them like once after sophie gets taken over in like episode six when you watch Mm -hmm. the episode seven one i'm like oh wow yeah she's gone you know that's somebody else controlling her right now like that's kind of what i was reading from it of you know the first few times I watched this, I'm thinking, okay, the cops are getting into it, but now it's like, okay, maybe they're the butterflies. Maybe that's goth inside of her during this theme song, you know, because she's emotionless. And when I, when I see the emotionless from, uh, Chris, I read it more as a, he's broken on the inside. You know, gun talks about, that moment at the piano in six or seven, whatever episode, episode that six, is, yep. that that's the first time you actually see the real Chris, you know, he's actually letting himself be vulnerable here. He he's not putting up his defenses. And that's what I kind of see the theme song as being his, his dance moves are the shield that he's trying to portray himself as being one way, 
but his face is portraying himself as a different way. That his his expressionlessness is his sadness that's inside after killing his brother and growing up with a really bad dad and killing Rick Flag and all that stuff that's bothered him is why he's emotionless in that theme song. And again, I could be reading way too much into it, but you know, th- there's definitely some meaning in, in some of this stuff. You can kind of read the same thing into hardcore of, you know, down inside what she's dealing with, right? She presents herself one way, but she's actually another way. And you can kind of make those relations. Mern is just another butterfly. So you can kind of throw that in there. And with, and with the episode eight mon kind of monologue yeah i guess uh, from economos same kind of thing you know uh he i i i thought that was one of my favorite scenes actually from that episode uh showing kind of the vulnerability and also you know cutting back to peacemaker's face hearing it as well like he he's growing as a person where he's like my words are having like a significant effect on these people that i want to be friends you know, like he he starts to realize that in I think it's episode two when uh, when he uh, when he's reflecting on all of these events. When he's doing uh, his facial exercises, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So he, so like he starts to realize that then, but he doesn't really change anything. But then episode eight rolls around, and he's like, "Wow, I the like uh he he's a different person. I feel I feel like he he becomes a, a different person throughout." And what episode does he call? Economos John, is that five when they kill the gorilla? I think so. Yeah, I think it. I think it's after he kills the gorilla. Yep. That so even right. then, he that's so it goes like two episode two. He recognizes he's hurting Economos. Mm-hmm. Episode five, he actually calls him John, right? Yep. Episode eight, he hears that monologue from John that says about, you know, he didn't think anybody would notice. And he does it to look younger. And all this guy really well portrayed by Steve Aggie. And and also the fact that Gunn takes something that was a joke for the first like seven episodes and makes it into this hauntingly beautiful speech mm-hmm. of I'm sure everybody does this kind of thing. You know, people might wear toupees or do a comb over because they think people can't notice, but it might be very noticeable. But they m- might even think they're invisible. You know, I think that's what it says about John, too, is that he didn't think anybody would notice. I don't think he thought like anybody would notice because it's very well done. But I think it's just he didn't think he was being seen. Right. Like he didn't feel seen by anybody. So what would it matter if he dies? Right. Like nobody's Mm -hmm. paying attention to me. And I I think people can kind of relate to that type of thing at times, too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I thought I thought it was, you know, there were a lot of emotional moments throughout this show. But I think that one was one of the most relatable ones, at least to me, you know, and to, and to a, a bunch of other people, I'm sure. So I, I really I, I always liked Steve uh, Aggie as an actor. You know, uh, he, he had like a small part in one of my favorite TV shows, New Girl. He plays this guy named Outside Dave. He's fantastically funny in the few episodes he's in, but you know, I, I loved seeing him take on more of a main character role, you know, in this. And did you know that John Economos is an actual DC character? This is something I did he not is. know. I, I did not know that. Yeah, he is uh, <laughs> created in 1987 in Suicide Squad number one from when they did another Suicide Squad run, and he is the warden of Bell Reef Penitentiary, where we kind of see him end up here 
at the mm-hmm. end of the show. So it's kind of like maybe that was his origin story. Um, cause before he's just a normal, uh, like guy on the inside with Waller and the suicide squad. I, that's another thing I like about suicide squad is, you know, when they're placing their bets on, on who's going to die and everything. <laughs> and the way that they're like, have these two worked together before, you know, like all that kind of stuff that, uh, you know, you would obviously want to know if you were, it's kind of like placing bets on sporting events, you know, like, yeah. Oh, well has, uh, you know, Reynoso ever hooked up with this player before? Have they played together? <laughs> have they, you know, have kind of doing the same thing with, with the DC characters, which was funny. Um, but yeah, I did not know he was an actual like uh, character. I thought it was something gun created, but you know, again, he's taken an obscure character obscure for me. Anyway, I didn't know much about bell reef penitentiary. So, you know, there, that might be my problem, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, just how, you know, I'm not sure if Harcourt is. I could check that, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think that's interesting. You know, uh, I, I think it, it's, it, it's, it's weird seeing all of these characters. You know, and uh, not even the most hardcore comic fans aren't going to be like, oh yeah, I, I know this character really well. Like, I know everything about them. I, it, it feels like there's something new for every type of comic book movie fan to enjoy in these sort of shows and movies and uh you know introducing brand new characters as well as far as i know adebayo is a is a completely original character that was created for the show uh i i'm not sure if that's entirely correct that's what i remember reading but uh it it see it seems like you know it's an interesting way to go about this you know expanding this universe into something bigger uh, which, you know, I think DC fans, at least most, except for maybe a specific subset of them that we won't mention by name, perhaps, uh, can appreciate in all of that. Yeah, I believe Adebayo is an uh, original character because people were kind of speculating she was going to be Waller's daughter, but it seemed like it was something that not everybody knew. So I, I do think it is a brand new character amelia harcourt is a character from the comics 2016 was her first appearance so there you go yeah an nsa agent working with argus um okay which is the government agency that sets up suicide squad so yeah that's uh that's interesting um now uh one thing i want to talk about too is the at the end you know when we when we talk about at the end of the show and he's killed his father and i do like the move to make it white dragon instead of so in the comics his dad is a nazi who worked for the internment camps and stuff and you know at this rate he would be way too old so i do like that change to okay well what's the equivalent of a nazi right now well it's these like neo-nazis who are um, white supremacists right so that works that checks out and then white dragon is a dc character but not something that is used a lot so it's just kind of like the you know marvel does this all the time too kind of fusing two characters into one for uh, a villain um, like ego ego is not actually peter's f- father in guardians of the galaxy comics and marvel comics but you know again it's like taking different things and meshing it into one so i like that 
But one thing that's kind of that I've learned as I researched this is that after he, uh, anybody, okay, so he believes that the ghosts of the people he has killed in the comics or killed in his vicinity are collected inside of his helmet and they offer him advice and commentary. I think that's interesting. And that also, uh, he believes his father's spirit haunts him continually and criticizes his every move. Even when he, even as he tries to live down his past, I think that sets up season two very well. So like the fact that Augie is still with him, not just in the scene where he finds the helmet, but at the end on the porch makes me think that his dad is sticking with them and that they're, that gun is taking this kind of element from the comics of being haunted. Um, just the way he was kind of, and that's interesting too. He's kind of haunted by Rick flag throughout this show before his dad dies, where he keeps hearing the peacemaker. What a joke, right? He keeps thinking about it. He keeps thinking about it. And then now his dad is going to stick with him. And it kind of takes that element without it being like him thinking his helmet stores it. It's more of just a mental, a mental thing. And I think that sets up some very interesting stuff for, for season two. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of interesting ways they can take this into season two, you know, uh, they could, they could come up with something to do with judo master. Right. Uh, because he, he's, still he was around. wasted. He was wasted. Yeah. Uh, apparently he was supposed to die. I think in episode four mm. and that there was a late addition for him to film those other scenes, which makes sense. Cause he's by himself, like during the Cheeto scene at the gas station. I will and say that was, that was funny though. End. That, that was funny. Though. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, other than that, like they could have left him dead. So I think he has plans for Judo Master. Yeah, I, I feel like that that's gotta be something in season two, you know. Uh there there he's going to try and do something to keep fulfilling the butterfly's mission or something like that. I, I could see that happening. Uh and you know, um we we could also take it in the direction of sort of uh the the Amanda Waller route, right? You know. Adebayo goes on TV, reveals everything that's been done with this. Like, uh, I, I wonder if it could set up like more of the of of like uh, you know these unknown characters to to be featured in season two of Peacemaker. You know, make some cameos or something like that. But uh, I I think you're probably right that given that the last scene we see in the show it is Peacemaker, uh, Goff beating on the last of the Amru fluid yeah. and uh, and then uh, his dad, I think that that's probably the direction we'll take it in. But, uh, you know, we, we also haven't talked about uh, what one one character that I, that I wanted to mention real quick, which is Eagly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because I think I think he's one of the breakout stars from the show. Oh, know. definitely. He uh, it especially like in that last episode, you know, I, I loved, I loved the, the scene where, where Chris is like, all right, go drop the helmet on top of the barn. And then, and then Harcourt's like, there's no way Eagly knows what you're saying. <laughs> do you know why like, that's so relatable? Do you know why yeah, that's so what? relatable is because 
<laughs> my wife and I talking to our dogs <laughs> where we'll be like, go do this thing, go this thing. And the, and the other one will be like, they don't understand what you're saying. And then they go and you, you think they're going to do the thing you told them to. And you're like, yeah. And then they don't. And you're like, Oh, no. <laughs> but now imagine the stakes of that times yep. 10 while you're trying to feed an alien cow. And yeah, you're exactly. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I bring up, I bring up eagerly because, uh, I, I was talking to my dad and he wanted me to to mention this on this. So, uh, you know, th- this was this show. He really liked it. He was looking for some new shows to watch. And Eagly was his favorite character by far. And that's because uh, he had a pet bird that he's ha- he had for since like she was a week old. Uh, her name was Jasmine. She unfortunately passed away in December. And, uh, you know, he he had been really sad about that. But, you know, all of the scenes with Eagly and peacemaker you know when when eagly hugs him in episodes one and seven you know he 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 texted me and, and he was like that that's exactly what jasmine used to do like snuggling up to me and i and uh so it, it just shows how powerful like those emotional moments can be because you know james gunn is such an amazing director on on this right like uh and showing how much how much power those emotional moments can have and how much it means to to some people so you know james gunn uh, i'm not sure if you're going to listen to this but if you do uh my dad would definitely like to thank you for adding in those sorts of moments yeah that is uh um (laughs) when you mentioned that your dad cried at that scene and i said me too i was like Oh crap! Yeah, it definitely means more for your dad. And I was like, <laughs> hopefully, it didn't come across wrong. And I was like, oh, me too. Like, no, I mean, I, you know, he he'd gone through so much more with with his bird. But when anytime I think of an animal like that, I always equate it to my dogs. Mm-hmm. And you know, it and Gun is such a huge animal lover too that I think we see that with Rocket and I mean Groot's a tree, right? But we yeah. get <laughs> uh, Sebastian, right? And you get eagly and you get Mern as a butterfly who gets squashed and that was a touching scene as you know yeah. he kind of holds harcourt's finger you know in her hand and and you know um just that kind of kind of thing and i even feel sorry for goff here at the end when it's the last of the ambered fluid you know and uh gun said that in the thing it's the last of it so i mean I, he can always backtrack on that and they could still use all the maybe they had tons of bottles of it at the cow facility, or maybe this is months later when it, it definitely is months later because hardcore's yeah. walking. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, if, if you get, if you get shot with yeah. a shotgun shell, like in the, in the back, you're, you're not walking after a few days. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is months later. It's the last of the fluid. Uh, and it's golf's last meal, but just the fact that golf was coming and knocking on the door, like, Hey, I'm hungry. Like, let's, let's hang out, you know? And it answered my question I had of was Goff just messing with Peacemaker? Because at the end of episode four, which I think is one of my favorites of the show, when you get that montage and we kind of see his brother die, we're not really sure how. We have uh, House of Pain playing and we have um, the Peacemaker, what a joke again with Rick Flagg. And you get all this kind of stuff that's very heartfelt and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, he's he gets golf high you know and eagly and golf go over to check on him and golf is also when they're asking the yes or no questions puts the peace sign 
And I'm like, are they? But then, you know, when the thing breaks, she says, where are those morons at? So you're like, okay, maybe she doesn't like them. But I think there was some sort of compassion she felt for for him, for being nice to him. Like, he could have just killed Goff, you know? But he wanted, one, he didn't trust everybody in his group because of the secrets they were holding from him. And he, uh, I guess we don't even know if he knew Mern was a butterfly. Right, Mern dies. Right, yeah, I don't separately from him. And does he find out in episode six? I, I don't think so. When they're going to the facility, Mern says something about the cow. He's like, "How do you know that?" And they're just kind of like they kind of brush it off. Like that's right. So I don't even know if he knows Mern was a, but maybe he's been called up after that. But it's kind of a you know he wasn't told all this stuff, so he he had rights to be kind of suspicious and keep Goff. And um, it, it really feels weird too. You know, I feel sorry for Sophie because she was one of my favorites. And her last act really is trying to erect, uh, not erect, uh, <laughs> arrest Chris uh, because of, and letting Augie out due to, the wrong fingerprint thing. And she's thinking, here's the thing, her whole experience in this and then trying to get Chris is so small compared to what the actual mm -hmm. scope is. And she ends up dying, trying to fulfill something that's meaningless. That is ultimately meaningless to the butterfly situation. She never knows anything about the butterflies. She won't ever learn that, but then Goff takes her over. And it's one of those moments where you look at it and say like, dang, like that, that sucks. I feel sorry for, um, her partner, who I'm blanking on the name right now, uh, Fitzgibbon. Yes, Fitzgibbon, because you know he sees her act differently. He he's going to start questioning her and start fig trying to figure stuff out. But guess what? All the butterflies come in and take over the whole jail and the police force. And now, now I guess Evergreen doesn't have <laughs> any sort of police force. So they're gonna have yeah. to figure that out. <laughs> but. It's one of those things where ultimately those characters end up meaningless in the sense of their life. You know, their life died, their life's ended doing something futile to stop something that didn't matter. And they get taken over by these creatures and they're just husks of themselves at that point. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's really interesting. Like, you know, the whole butterfly situation it, at first, like, uh, you know, it, it seems very black and white, like the way the situation is introduced. It's like butterflies are bad. That's it. Uh, we need to take them out. And then I, I love how the story layers on in complexity. Whereas like, you know, I, I liked a lot of the MCU shows, right. That, that came out last, last year, but I feel like the villains never got like that added layer of complexity to them when, when, you know, all was said and done either because they were introduced too quick uh too late in the story or just bad writing i guess uh for for better or for worse but uh introduced I, in episode five of six or whatever yeah <laughs> most yeah, of the time exactly and so i i really enjoyed how they added that complexity to it all all uh coming in this last episode which you know probably made a lot of people mad that that monologue i'm not gonna lie it definitely made a specific a, a few groups of people mad but if they were watching through this entire thing through episode eight already uh 
you know, I, I don't think, I don't think many of the people that would have been made mad, mad by that comment were left watching. So, uh, but you know, uh, the, the point about peacemaker asking afterwards, like, you know, did I make the right decision with this to save, uh, did, did I actually save the earth or did I, did I doom it? I, and I think that that's really interesting and, uh, kind of kind of a, a an interesting point about just humanity in general like you know it is it better to try and control our own destiny or is or is it uh or is it better to uh you know do whatever it takes to to survive and it it, it kind of comes down to like well at least if if like uh you know it is your fault at the end of the day you had the freedom of choice to do it and you weren't uh, you weren't like uh, you were actually able to live, uh, but it, it is. It, it, I think Gunn had something to say about it on Twitter. I can't remember exactly what he said about that, but you know, he he kind of is like, yeah. I mean, he's right to kind of question it because, for all we know, yeah, he could have doomed that the Earth there. That it, it like uh, it it could have been, but he also might have saved it from uh, from being able to from being like free and having free will and actually being able to live their lives so it, it's it's interesting it's a it's it's an interesting point where again like peacemaker in at the end of suicide squad you can see the point of who's supposed to be uh on uh not sympathetic at that point and you start to soften to to that goal a little bit and you're like well there's a bit of a point there but then then it turns very quickly so i i i i think that that's a really nice moment really good storytelling as well yeah it's tough when she's explaining all that you're like well maybe she should maybe he shouldn't maybe they should let the cow go you know but also what type of life is it for humans if they're just infected by butterflies right you know because the butterflies are going to mate then they're going to want to spread their uh, it's for the safety of their species, really, that they mm -hmm. escaped their home, landed here because it's the only other planet that was habitable for them, and then realized, well, we're on the same path here, but so let's take over more people to try to right the wrongs here and take over powerful people and all that kind of stuff. But then everybody's a butterfly at, at, at one point, right? So then what's the actual life that humans are having? So it's the it's the while you might be saving Earth, maybe you're not saving humans, and maybe humans can still take those paths without the butterflies, you know. Mm -hmm. And then everybody has a chance to live. And I don't know. I mean, I think that's one of the uh, the questions where you're like, man, did he do the right thing? Who knows, right? But uh, it, it's exciting to kind of think about the prospect of that and. Uh, I wonder how long they can last without food and, you know, how long is Goff dying in a few days from now? You know, I, I wonder I, about that. I think, um, gun commented about that on Twitter saying that, uh, Goff is it, like it, like you, like you said, it's the last of the Amber fluid. So, uh, Goff is like on the last few weeks of okay. its life. That that's, that's basically what, what he said. So, you know, uh, it, it's meant to be kind of like, that that recognition of of defeat kind of because I, i'm not sure about you but for a moment in that last scene when, when he's getting the amber fluid i was like i don't know is is golf gonna try and take over peacemaker here like is that 
And is that oh, how no, I knew at that scene? point? I knew okay. at that point. Yeah. I, 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 I had like a slight feeling same, like with, um, the scene where hardcore, uh, touches her finger to, uh, Mern's butterfly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can't pronounce that, uh, that, that name. I, and I don't remember it. I, I remember neither. it's very complex. So, uh, but it's not meant for our ears. Isn't that what they exactly, exactly. Right. Uh, so I think it's, I, I think it, it, there, there was like that kind of dread moment where you were like, is, are they going to try and survive by taking over right here? Uh, because, you know, there's characters that were made to feel sort of sympathetic for, like in the, in, uh, in Detective Son and uh, uh, Fitzgibbon, right? We're supposed to be a little sympathetic towards them. And we, we just see them getting taken over by butterflies anyway. So it makes, it makes you wonder like in those, in those moments, like, I don't know, could, could it happen? It's almost like the, the beginning of suicide squad how that how that worked out where you felt like everyone was kind of in danger yeah i mean she she would still be alive if she did not try to uh arrest chris that's the only reason they try to escape with goth yeah. right like and and the reason she's doing that is because it's the right thing to do she's doing something that's right because augie is an asshole to her he's racist to her mm -hmm. right and she still tries to get him out of jail because he's innocent of the crime he's convicted of, not innocent yeah. overall. But <laughs> yeah. and it and it and it sucks. And that's where I think we relate to them the most. Is like, okay, she's trying to do the right thing here, but also we don't want her to arrest Chris because we know her, her his dad's an asshole, and the reason we want him to survive is because he's got to take down the butterflies, right? And we don't. So then we're kind of like rooting for her at one point because Augie's calling her racist stuff, but then we're not rooting for her to figure out stuff with Chris, but then the, the butterfly flies into her. Then we're really like, Oh, I don't want her anymore. And then she kind of becomes the face of the opposition. But then at the end, she makes her speech and you're like, well, maybe she's not the opposition. Right. So it's like this whole, <laughs> um, tug of war right of of like what we're supposed to feel and i think that's what's interesting about what gun did here and apparently when he auditioned annie chang you know her, one of her audition scenes was uh one of the monologues or, or you know something at the end here where she had to be goff and interview as song as well and uh you know he said some people did song really well some people did goff really well but nobody did both of them as well as she did um and uh it sucks though, because you know her character is dead, so she can't even come back. So we have to kind of look for her to be in other shows, other stuff, because she was really good. I, I really liked her. Yeah, I I I think that she she did a fantastic job. Uh, re really, really well acted out, and just shows that Gun creates complex characters in literally anything. Uh, there there is no truly good character there is no truly bad character in, in most of these like there there's uh i mean i guess i guess like uh the the dictator in in uh in Su in the suicide squad is uh, just an objectively bad character but most of the major yeah. characters have texture to them that mm -hmm. that's that's i guess the point uh to get across but you know speaking of characters there there's one character that we ha that we haven't talked about as well that was also a breakout star of this vigilante 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, he, uh, I, I know he has a history in the comics because I saw a few videos examining his history. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think he, he's just presented brilliantly in this. You know, Freddie Stroma does a great job presenting him as like this weird character. You know, he, he's, uh, I think that's encapsulated best in episode seven where they're at the vet clinic. And he is like, they all saw, they saw our faces and they could call the cops. So we have to kill them. And then, and then they're like, no, let's just tie them up. And then he's like, all right, but don't use duct tape because it will hurt when they take it off. And (laughs) I love economos here. You don't mind killing them, but you're worried about (laughs) their skin being hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, 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 it's just a wonderful representation of, you know, uh, vigilante just being this crazy sort of guy that just, you know, he, he has like, he has a, a kind of moral code, but it's just a weird one that, that, uh, that functions outside of any normal one. And I, I really enjoyed watching him throughout this. I thought he was hilarious. And, you know, also the scene in the prison with, uh, where, uh, where he is talking with, uh, Augie is, you know, all, all the other people in there that are just, the, all the other white supremacists. That's that's the word. That's the right. That's the right way to, to do it. Where he's just like, what is everyone's favorite uh, contribution that uh, African Americans <laughs> have made to society? And, and I'll start <laughs> rock and roll, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it, it, it's and he it's says all these hilarious. names of the bands that you know the you know the, all the southern heavy metal or heavy yeah. rock <laughs> bands that that you know that those people really love. Yep. Like yeah. Leonard it, it, yeah. It, it was just hilarious. Like, uh, and, and, uh, I, I really enjoy it. I, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought, I thought it was just great. It was great writing and, uh, also just showed like some great character for both vigilante, like, you know, how much he cares about Chris, uh, even if that friendship isn't always reciprocated, you know, he cares about, he cares about him a lot. And also showing that, you know, Augie is a little bit smarter than he might seem. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Vigilante was probably my favorite. Um, He was, I can't imagine him played by anybody else. I, yeah, I'm so glad they recast it. I don't know what sort of, um, uh, what sort of issues that they had with the previous, uh, uh, actor what you know they had some sort of creative differences right i'm not sure what they are they've had to rewrite some stuff i think because the guy who was going to play him was so much older than freddie stroma and stroma you know is now playing adrian chase's younger and he's a bus boy was that not i guess that wasn't going to be his role then like i don't know what you know i don't i don't know where they would have fit him in originally if he was like a older person that's close to Cena's age. Like, I, I don't know uh, unless if he was just going to be still a bus boy, but just an older one that never really went anywhere with his life. Right. I guess that could have been it. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was definitely interesting when we talk about, um, uh, you know, talking about that because it was, uh, they, they had filmed everything in order, I think until, they recast it and then they recast it when they filmed all of Stroma's stuff, they were in the middle of six, seven and eight. So it came, they filmed five episodes with the other guy before whatever differences came about. So 
it's either Gunn didn't think he was doing it right or the actor wanted to be more serious than comedic, I would think. I, I don't know. I mean, it could have been anything, but at a certain point it wasn't working and they brought Freddie Stroma in who was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he just he just nailed it and it and it was it was just funny. And also the color scene, you know, questioning golf with the yes or no questions. Yeah. What is your favorite color? And and then just go Yes or no questions. Colors. Yeah. Okay, is your favorite color teal? Like that that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff. And it, it's just it, it's it's really funny and it and I think also like, you know, peacemaker he he doesn't always show it, but he he obviously cares for vigilante at the same time. Yes. But uh, it's not his he, second best friend. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's Adebayo uh, is. Yeah, we don't it we don't know. Eagly and then Adebayo. Yep. We don't know where where vigilante falls on yeah. there. Who who knows? Uh probably but, third. Yeah, maybe maybe. Who knows? I think he sees point. him as a brother, right? Yeah, I don't exactly. Think he, That's what I was gonna yeah, get to right yeah. there. Yeah, he he's missed he's missed that uh kind of brother throughout his entire life and you know all of the best memories of his childhood were with him and that's where he gets like all of his information about music and stuff like that uh and uh i i think that that's what makes their relationship so special and and it makes sense as well because you know brothers they care about each other but they're also they they also like mock each other make fun of each other and Mm -hmm. and uh stuff like that so it's it, it feels like a real relationship that's been built up over time, right? It doesn't feel like a, a forced one, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think. And then, you know, just the fact that Chris has to live with that killing his actual brother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by accident due to really his dad's fault for, yeah. for making them play outside and fight do like this i don't know michael vick style without dogs type of fighting with with kids i don't know what they were yeah. trying to do uh but it seemed like he was trying to make some money off of his white supremacist trends then yeah so what did he do that, then yeah. did he just punch him so hard it gave him a seizure or like wh- i i think that i think that's what it is i think it was like some brain trauma that occurred uh i Again, I, I mean, like, I'm not a doctor or anything, so I can't, like, say, like... Oh, you're not? Yeah, that's... De- <laughs> nah, yeah, unfortunately not, no. Uh, but I I, I think that's what it is. I think, you know, it's just, like, uh, you know, he punched him He punched him so hard uh, to, to kind of, like, you know, live up to expectations. And it it just uh, hit Ron. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Um, I want to talk about episode two real quick too, because I really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed the dynamic between the family, the the, the husband and wife that Peacemaker <laughs> is going to ruin their lives here. He's going to end up stealing this guy's girl uh, and have a three way with with uh, yeah. with Vigilante and um, her and Vigilante. If the marijuana wasn't legal, he was going to kill them. <laughs> He's, yes. You know, a few years ago, I'd kill you for that. Like, he is very strict by the by the book uh, type of law-abiding citizen, except for when he takes out people with his murder. But just thought that was, that was a really fun uh, <laughs> dynamic between them. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought I thought they were a pretty a pretty funny pair and they, and they also come back a little bit later uh, i can't was it episode yes. 
four or five. They they come back in one of those two episodes. But... I think it's four because uh, that's when they're releasing Augie, right? Five oh, no, is so it's five. It's, it's five. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think that's I think that's uh that that's funny because the dynamic it shows it's still continuing throughout throughout that. Uh like you know, he uh the guy immediately points to Chris and then the yep. wife's like no, it's not. It's not him. And then she's like, "Can I take that picture though?" And it's like, and it, yeah. you know, it's it, it's just kind of it, it's kind of funny, you know. All just over continue. a love of like, Cinderella, wasn't that what it was? The, uh, the uh, yeah, yeah, band, like, Cinderella. It, yeah, the the band, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right, favorite episode title. What do you got here? Ooh. They're all very puns, uh, pun filled here. They're, they they all are. I and uh, you know, as a big fan of the Jungle Cruise and Disney, I, I'm a big fan of puns. So uh I think my favorite one though is Stop Dragging My Heart Around. I I, re- I really like that one because it 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 really connects to the episode. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most emotional episodes, I, I would say. Yeah. Uh so it it kinda it kinda makes sense that uh and I I don't know. I, I I feel like dragon is the is the best is the best fit for for that. Like, it sounds the most like the word it's trying to imitate. Yeah, I really like Mern after reading. That's a good one too. <laughs> I really like the name of that. Um, let's see. Uh, what what that episode is the one where uh, they're going to. Um, well, when the white dragon is, is getting ready to come after him and ends mm. with, with that kind of scene with all the, all the races coming out. Yep. Uh, that was a good scene too. Um, I, I, like we said in the, in our chat, I'm pretty sure that they had to do the, the two eared hoods for that because I, I think they could have gotten in trouble with, with the other way. Um, yeah yeah i mean it's pretty clear like if like if you know anything about history it's pretty clear what they're supposed to represent right but, uh yeah i mean <laughs> it's uh but i i i think you're right on that they, they probably had to change it a little bit another thing that they had to change we've seen now that they've had uh i don't know what to call them like fit stand-ins for cyborg mm-hmm. yep. and batman that had to get end up getting cut out of that justice league cameo which we haven't talked about yet um gun has said in an interview there was some sort of uh you know he couldn't use them he couldn't say say why really wasn't sure if he could say why but it might be for future things i'm sure the cyborg one is just touchy because ray fisher who was cyborg has come out and said things about the uppers of DC, the uppers of WB and said that he would not work with them as long as Hamada is still in the position. So you could either put a stand in there and say, well, guess what? You weren't that, but I think he would also, it might cause some issues with Ray Fisher and Ray Fisher's fans of, well, it makes it seem like you're saying he consented to this, you know, like, it's supposed to be his version of cyborg. But then if you leave them out, people are like, well, why'd you leave out cyborg? A very tricky situation there that I think it was best to just probably leave him out. Batman left out because who knows? I mean, if they didn't, they didn't need Ben Affleck there. Ben Affleck is still the Batman until flash when it's going to get changed to Michael Keaton through the flashpoint event. 
So at this point, it would still be Ben Affleck's Batman. And you have the stand-in wearing his outfit. But for whatever reason, maybe because this episode's coming out so close to the Batman, they didn't want that in there, right? I mean, because that Batman <laughs> with Robert Pattinson is unrelated to all of this. So yep. I think I think it was probably smart to leave him out, too, of confusing people. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think so. And I think it also makes sense that not all of the Justice League shows up for this. Because I, I don't know much about the Justice League in the comics, right? But I have a feeling that they don't always respond to every single thing as a, as a whole team, right? Sometimes they, they, they send out like smaller groups of it, right? And I, oh, especially I think if you're that, talking about the cartoon, like the cartoon, they yeah. had Justice League and then they had Justice League Unlimited, which had like every DC character in it. And yeah, there'd be some episodes where you're like, okay, we're only getting these four. Or we're only getting these five. Yeah. Yeah. And like in if you think about the MCU as well, like they, they don't have the Avengers team up for every single movie. Like there's still a team, but sometimes you just get like Captain America and Black Widow te- teaming up. Or, you know, like uh Hulk and Thor. But you're you're it, it makes sense that the entire team isn't going to be available right at that point in time. And because they you all know, got their own things going on too. They're not just yeah, sitting around like Exactly. Like, you know, they they've got stuff to do. Batman's uh, in Gotham, you know, uh Cyborg, I, I don't know Cyborg's origin at all. So, but I'm sure he's got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he's based out of. Yeah, uh and then you know, it it, it, it I think it I think it makes sense Flash to have Central more. City. Yeah, I Wonder I think Woman's. it makes sense to have some of them there and some of them missing. I think it, I think it makes it feel like it's more of like an emergency response. Yeah. Right. It, it makes it feel less planned. So that's my take on it at least. Yeah. I am trying to find where cyborgs based out of, cause I don't think he ha- really has like his own run usually where he's based out of anywhere. Like he's usually with either the Titans or, the Justice League, like I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but Flash is usually Central City. Uh, Wonder Woman, I guess you could say Themyscira, but I, I think she usually hangs out elsewhere. And then you have Aquaman sitting in a. At, he's now King of Atlantis in this timeline. Mm-hmm. He's wearing his new uniform from the end of the Aquaman movie. So I guess in the stories he's based, or in the comics, he's based out of Detroit, Michigan. So. Oh really? Uh, yeah, that that's what it says uh, in story information on Wikipedia. Oh yeah, but, place of origin. Yeah, Detroit, yeah. Michigan. So I don't know what it, he 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 probably had something to do there. Um, who knows what it is? In but. these in these films though, uh, I think he's from Gotham because I think he played for a Gotham football team okay. in the Zack Snyder cut of okay. Justice League. Which is a good okay. If if anybody wants to watch watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, I talked about this on one of these episodes. It's a good movie. It's four hours long, and the last like thirty minutes, uh, you can absolutely skip. Once you get to where they're looking and teasing stuff in the future for the nightmare sequences, you can just completely close it out because it's never going to be completed, and it's just worthless setup. And you're like. The movie's already gone on too long at that point. So yeah, I definitely recommend if anybody wants to watch that, you can just kind of skip that part because it's not actually building anything right now. 
unless they change their mind, I guess. But yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So let's talk about Justice League cameo. So we get them. We get Aquaman addressing the rumor that's been built up over seven episodes <laughs> that he sleeps with fish, makes romance to fish. Um, a lot of people upset about this. <laughs> a very uh, specific subset of people. Maybe the yes. same subset of people that were upset by many other things in, in the show. Maybe. Uh, I think there are some that are just big Zack Snyder fans that that did not appreciate this, but um, they liked when Joker asked Batman for a reach around in the Zack Snyder cut. So, I mean, it's confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I really enjoyed seeing these here. I, for Again, people that don't know why we just had Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's not canon. Um, you can easily just say it's canon and then cut out the last. Okay, so in my head canon, it's more canon than the Joss Whedon one, and I just cut out that last 30 minutes of the <laughs> nightmare stuff where I can say, ah, oh, that was a good ending. There you go. <laughs> and then, you know, you don't have to worry about any future build up there, and uh, it's better than the 2017, so you're like, okay, cool, that's Justice League. But when we're talking about, like, theatrical or anything like that this is the first appearance of the justice league since the 2017 justice league film uh in the dceu which is insane because that's almost five years <laughs> at this rate and uh while it wasn't a hit there's a lot of reasons why it wasn't a hit okay one they end up having joss whedon come aboard he doesn't do a great job with it like he did with Avengers. He upsets the cast. You get DC saying it has to be less than two hours so they can play more showings. When that, that, so they can make more money, which is going to be absolutely ripped apart by Endgame being almost three hours long and making the most money. So <laughs> it ended up being futile at, at that rate. And, you know, this is the first appearance of him. And uh, it was great to see them again. It was great that they actually got Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller to do this little banter exchange, uh, which, yes, is banter. It is not confirmation that Aquaman sleeps with fish. For all the people that are taking this way too literally, James Gunn even said that Peacemaker makes all this stuff up. Uh and then people say, well, then he shouldn't have to explain it. Exactly. He shouldn't have to explain it, but people are taking <laughs> it too literally. It's it, it's just, it's meant to give the Justice League more texture as a team. Like, you know, it, it's, they're not supposed to be serious all the time. Like they're, they're friends. Like some of them, I, 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 I would assume at least like they're, they're Especially at least friendly. Flash and Aquaman are not like Aquaman makes some very, I just watched this movie. Make some very dumb jokes in his movie, okay? This is not out of character for either of these two. Yeah, so it it, it just makes sense, like that they're that they're joking around a little bit, and it it also I I love it because it gives like texture to the world, right? Like it, it's it's not just like some random thing that Peacemaker saw from like one person. It's like an actual rumor that's been going around, 
And so like it's you, something you he the... saw on Facebook or something. Exactly. You yeah, know? it's it's one of those old like a uh, fa- boomer Facebook memes or something like that. <laughs> that that's what it is with like uh it's like a minion meme or something like that. I don't I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, exactly. It's one of those. It's and, a minion uh, in a bathtub or something. Yep. <laughs> Aquaman at the aquarium be like. <laughs> uh but it, it's it's just funny and like uh i i think i i think it gives some great texture to uh the story and just makes makes the world feel complete like uh it, it's those little kind of details that people appreciate that give it those connections and uh yeah i i i thought it was hilarious uh but i oh, I, I, I get yeah i i i don't get why people were so upset with it like I get like I guess I get that you want darker, grittier movies, right? It's also Fine, that people take right? this stuff way too seriously. Exactly. Um, it's a joke. Like we yeah. can joke in these things. It's not it's not that serious. It's comic books. It's superheroes. Yeah. If if you had an entirely dark and gritty storyline, like that it's going to isolate re- like normal audiences from ever getting into it. You've got to have some humor in it. The humor makes things seem inherently more human that that's that's what it is like the it makes the justice league like what one of one of which who's participating in this exchange who is a, the king of atlantis you know feel more human uh and feel and feel more like a like a real person you know like i yeah. i think it's great for that I just love the thought that the king of Atlantis has to deal with this rumor. Yeah, like he's just scrolling through. He he's just scrolling through Twitter. Like, oh, the rumors popping up again. <laughs> Damn, I gotta crush this this time. Yeah. <laughs> People probably making memes of him with like flounder or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I imagine he see. Yeah, Chris saw on scrolling. He was like, yeah. oh, um. But yeah, a great moment to just kind of, you know, and Jason Momoa laughed. He thought it was funny. Ezra Miller wanted to do it because he's a big James Gunn fan. Like these people are not just everybody seems to think whoever's just worked with Zack Snyder has just got his back 100 percent and only wants to do Zack Snyder stuff. It's not true. They have different tastes as well. They're going to want to do their own things. And, uh, you know, Momoa is definitely a guy I could see being like, ha, that's great. Like, let's do it. You know, yeah. like. He just has that personality. And um, yeah, and just, hey, be happy we saw them. I, I, I'm glad this actually said like where this team was, you know, like they mentioned them earlier, right? Where where they're like, can't you get like the Justice League or somebody else here to <laughs> like take care of this thing? Like, it's just us, you know? And a Waller's like uh, brushes it off or says they won't get there, right? So Something like that. And then they do show up late and um and i I, at least it you know everybody saw like iron man 3 and said well where was the rest of the avengers (laughs) you know and then they watched dark world like where were the rest of the avengers this answered that question of okay they were just a little late right (laughs) justice league got there just a little late um because they took care of it so fast yeah Um, i mean it it's it also shows the longer trend of in this of just mocking superhero movie type trends or like comic book hero like uh like what they're like you know like the the monologue with batman or the conversation with the neighbor about (laughs) batman like 
Do you know why I don't have supervillains? Because I actually kill them when they deserve to be killed. Right. And I don't let a, a, an insane clown break out of prison and run around and murder more people and then put him back in prison for him to do it again. Uh, I, I thought I thought that was kind of funny. And, you know, he has kind of a point. He has, yeah. he has a little yeah. bit of a point. Uh, if If, like, you know, the Joker breaks out of prison for the 80th time, and goes on a killing spree then you're 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 telling you're complicit, me that right yeah i mean you're, you're you're telling me that come on you 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 you're not thinking that maybe prison isn't working at that point like maybe not rehabilitating it's, him you mean yeah it, it's it's not working <laughs> so i i think i i think it, it's it's got he's got a little bit of a point but you know along with cameos this show made a ton of other connections to for the dceu to take in with it so that's pretty cool as well yeah i mean uh and how many times they reference suicide squad even right like mm-hmm. when economo sees the cow oh i'm not dealing with another kaiju you know? yeah. <laughs> like i'm out of here and uh uh you know there are numerous references to rick flag and uh, it really shows that this takes fe- a place in the same thing mm-hmm. and I like the connective tissue James Gunn put in here. And again, he's respecting the characters. He's respecting the fans. He knew the fans would probably want to see the Justice League. He writes that in there and says, let's see if we can get them, right? Because he knew the fans would want to see that because they haven't for five years, right? So it's that kind of thing that that helps, I think, as well. And um, so we mentioned earlier, Peacemaker is a Charlton Comics character. Do you know who else? are Charlton comics characters. I, I did look, look it up last night uh, or earlier today. Uh, Blue beetle, I believe is, is one name yes. that I saw that that was on there. And I know that that's uh, coming up in a future DC project. Yes. It was going to be an HBO max original film, but they've now shifted that to be a theatrical film for 2023. Okay. Which is a big deal. Cause he's actually, um, so the second blue beetle, I believe he's the second one. Uh, Jaime Reyes is uh, like the first Latino representation that we can really get in these movies. Um, I don't think, I don't think Marvel's had that yet. Um, so it's a big deal to put them in a theatrical release instead of just shoving it to an HBO Max. So yes, Blue Beetle is our Charlton Comics character. So is Judo Master. Oh, okay. I did not know about that one. Yes, Judo Master, Rip Jagger, the original Judo Master. There's okay. a few of them. Is a um, Charlton Comics character. And so is uh, Amun-Ra, one of the Egyptian gods who uh, is so it's a little confusing because Amon Ra has uh, was in Blue Beetle as well um, but he's also been in Dr. Fate but Dr. Fate was a DC character so I mean obviously there's probably <laughs> numerous people that have done you know Amon Ra Captain Adam is Adam being A-T-O-M okay. is a uh, is another Charlton Comics character is 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 that is that like ant-man it feels like it's like he that that guy has to be like ant-man i don't know if captain adam is i i know there are there is a character that is 
Um, what, what's his power say here? Oh, he's based out of Cape Canaveral, though, Florida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's interesting. And he's created by Steve Ditko, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what it doesn't say. Where's his powers at? Powers. Flights. Oh, atomic absorption, molecular manipulation, and manifestation. Okay. So not not like uh I, I thought I was thinking like the shrinking and growing of atoms, you know, or the space between them. Uh but no, you know who is that? That is Adam, not Captain Adam. Ah, okay. Adam okay. is the DC version okay. of that. I knew there was one of them. So yes. I, I I knew that I knew that was And then we also have, guess what? We also have Adam Smasher, which oh, is okay. another DC character. He's going to be in uh he's going to be in um Black Adam. Okay. That time Adam spelled A D A. Lots of Adams. <laughs> yes. Um and another Charlton character, Vic Sage, who is known as the Question. He's okay. been in like the Justice League cartoons. Um he's teamed up with Blue Beetle. He was created by Steve Ditko as well. So Steve Ditko worked a lot with Charlton Comics for a bit too. So just fun stuff there. Uh, so those characters came into DC late, and uh, I think it's funny Judo Master and Peacemaker both appear in in this one. Yeah. Again, like you said, bringing some more obscure characters from the comics into, yes. into the DCEU. It's all good, yeah. Um, okay, last thoughts here. Season 2 we've kind of talked about maybe being his focus on overcoming his dad's, like, ghost um but let's talk some spinoff ideas we've heard that he's had another tv show that he's working on for suicide squad is it anything to do with task force x being outed or is it like a rat catcher blood sport team up what would you want to see and what do you think it is for personal reasons i would love to see a rat catcher and blood sport team up that that would be fantastic you know expand on that relationship more uh I, I would love to see that. And uh, because especially since like, you know, Bloodsport seems to have overcome his fear of rats at this point at this point in time, or at least is starting to. So uh, I, I think that could be really fun to see. Uh, maybe a bit more, uh, even more humor with that kind of fits with James Gunn's sort of style, uh, at least in the DCEU that we've seen so far. Uh, I think it'll, it's... I feel like I could see it being the Amanda Waller type story though, because of the end of Peacemaker. So I I'd be fine with that as well, but I would much rather see a uh, Bloodsport Ratcatcher two team. Uh, I feel like the obstacle for that is making sure you can get Idris Elba to, to commit yeah. to that. Yeah. So that, that's the He's challenge done TV but, before he's done Luther. Yeah. yeah so I, it, it's a challenge, but it's not like an, an insurmountable one. So uh, I'm 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 hoping that's what it is. I wouldn't mind something about King Shark either. You know, that would, that that would be that would <laughs> be, be tough with the CG. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Like, uh, you know, we saw that with Spider-Man No Way Home. So <laughs> the CGI yeah. budget eats up things quickly. Uh, but I, I I don't know what other direction they could kind of take it in because you know, Polka Dot Man, uh, they could do a prequel, I guess. Uh, no sequel possible there with that about him but 
yeah, I, I feel I feel like the Bloodsport and Ratcatcher 2 dynamic was too solid at the end of the Suicide Squad to not follow it up with something else. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to move away from the Suicide Squad name because mm -hmm. the movie didn't do well financially. The previous movie kind of had some bad connotations, you know, in the general public. Maybe make one that's called Task Force X or, you know, you can do other things with it. Uh, and before we go, Luis Duran, general manager at HBO Max, took to Twitter to celebrate the success of Peacemaker's first season and responded to John Cena's social media post saying how he already knows that season two will be one of the great releases of next year. So maybe a 2023 release Ooh, okay. for Peacemaker. That, that would be that, pretty quick. I mean, yeah. Gunn's got to finish doing Guardians. He's got the yep. Guardians, um, uh, the Guardians uh, holiday, holiday special, special yep. that is filming at the same time as Guardians, and then he's going to be in post production of that. And uh, if the rumors are true and he wrote season two already, then yeah, they just have to kind of set aside time to film it and put it in post production, and it could definitely air sometime in 2023. I doubt it'll be early January like this one was, but maybe a yeah. summer or fall release for next year. Yeah, I mean, I hope. I, I, I hope so. I, I I seem to remember hearing like in an interview James Gunn knowing like, yeah, I kinda know the direction uh, of the of the story, but depends. How how accurate is that? Or was he just really bored in quarantine and just and yeah. uh, instead of just writing one season of TV uh, before it was greenlit what if it was two maybe it was three who knows how how far it goes or when he goes home from guardians does he just start writing peacemaker you know like yeah because you know he's not working there all day you know so if he's done a 15 hour day or a 10 hour day and he goes back and he's like no i got some spare time why don't we start writing some of this he could definitely get it done uh he seems to turn uh, uh turn in scripts pretty quick so yeah i don't know i i I think that uh, no matter what, it's going to be great. And we also know that after Guardians, he has said that he wants to just focus on TV for a year or so. So, I mean, we, we know for a fact that he's not planning on any other projects in between. Yes. Uh, and that, other, Guardians and, that uh, other series that he was working on, he's not writing and directing each one, I think. I think he's going to be more of a producer role. Oh, okay. Um, this one, he's writing and directing everything of season two, he says. So I do think that can help kind of push this uh, forward even more. Mm -hmm. They're going to prioritize it. If it is really HBO Max's like biggest show of all time so far, then I think they're going to be like, yeah. And, and this is what these weekly releases can do. It grew 44% from the premiere to the finale because of the hype of the buildup every week where we're able to theorize and I'm able to ask you, okay, what do you think was Goff lying? Was, you know, is Mern going to be a good butterfly? Like we were able to theorize all that kind of stuff. When a binge release comes, it's like, okay, what episode are you on? Oh, you've seen episode six. All right, we'll wait until episode eight, you know, like, and you can't really talk about it. Yeah. And the buzz diminishes so quickly from those yes. as well. Because everyone, it's it's almost like an arms race, you know, like everyone is rushing through to avoid spoilers because, you know, so as soon as it, it, it releases, like if it releases on midnight, all of the fans of that are going to watch immediately and then mm -hmm. just keep watching it. It just so just so they avoid spoilers. But then 
you know, it stays in the cultural lexicon for like, I don't know, half of a week or a week. Like Ozark had a new season release all at once, right? Never heard about it. Right. Yeah. Like I, I heard about it because of a tweet talking about how, how, yeah. how little people had heard about it. So that that's uh, that it just shows like uh, that limitation. And it's the same thing with like Marvel with their shows was do- was doing, you know, a week, a weekly release makes these into more of a cultural type of event that people come together and like think about. And, you know, I, I, I like it so much better than the binge type of episode of like shows i i don't like the idea of just having to watch everything immediately at risk of everything being spoiled because then if you make it like halfway through and someone spoils it for you you're like well now what am i supposed to do i I spent all this time watching it and i don't even get the the same level of payoff that that kind of sucks so i yeah I, i i love how they did the weekly release and it shows the power of it I really like that they did three to start off because I feel like those first three feel like the first act where, okay, we know the butterfly thing. We know what it, butterflies are and we know that they're taking over USA and earth. You know, like we saw mm-hmm. that at the end of that third one. It's like, okay, wow, this is a real threat. And then we're able to build upon that where, you know, I'm really worried about stranger things coming back because I'm like, I, I have to sit there and be like, okay, when does it come out? Oh, the 27th or whatever. I have mm-hmm. to, okay, my weekend is I have to watch Stranger <laughs> Things so I don't get spoiled, right? And then you can't talk about it because then what I like about this is, you know, like I said, after each week, we were able to text each other and say, okay, what about this? What about that? With Stranger Things, like I said, it's going to be like, okay, well, how far are you? Oh, episode four? I'm on episode five. And then after you're done watching it, it's like, well, what do you think about that one? Oh, well, what episode was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they did that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was cool. And then you're done talking about it. Like there was. You, you can't theorize as you go. And I'm sure that's why they're splitting up some of their shows now. Ozark did a volume one. Um, Their Pokemon releases have been four episodes at a time. Their uh, uh, the Stranger Things is going to be broken up into two. I think they want to try to Netflix is trying to get that to sustain you know, this let's sustain the conversation about it. Well, I've heard a lot of people talk about squid game again. It goes along when I'm at work. I didn't watch squid game cause it seems too graphic, but, um, and I, I don't have time for it. <laughs> I, I just find it funny that, that it, it's too graphic. And then we've been talking about the suicide. Well, this squad. is funny too. I, I, I can <laughs> yeah, handle no, I, I, I get it. I, I get, I get but, it. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, talking about squid game, those conversations happened almost the exact same way that I'm saying it. I, I have people next to me at work that they're like, did you watch squid game yet? Yeah. I've, I watched the first one. Wait until you get to episode three. And you're like, well, okay, obviously something big happens in episode three, but now I have to catch. And then you catch up to it. Okay. I saw episode three. I'm on six now, you know, it's like, well, yep. okay. Yeah. So it's like this, you can't actually have a conversation about the show water cooler style the way you can with did you watch peacemaker last night yeah i did what about this what do you think is going to happen with the butterflies what do you think is going to happen with this? it's a totally different thing and i think disney had it right uh i think disney posted something too or one of the third party apps posted something about how book of boba fett grew from its premiere so it it's that word of mouth that continues to grow it but then people can actually talk about it and actually have a nice sit down and 
figure it out. Um, which is nice. Cause I like having these conversations and like when we did, you know, I'm talking about it as if people don't listen to our other episodes, but you know, we've done reviews for what if and reviews for Hawkeye where I was able to sit there and theorize what's going to happen. And those episodes do very well on this show because people want to hear our thoughts. They want to hear, they want to think themselves. I know I kept looking for peacemaker podcasts because I wanted to hear what other people thought. And sadly there wasn't like any, there, there's the there's uh, the official show podcast but there's no there's not much theorizing on there so exactly so uh and those are a little bit more sanitized when they're the you know the uh the official right like hbo one or whatever you know um the, those two hosts are just like yeah we love it like do they really i don't know <laughs> you know but um <laughs> it's their job to talk about it right now so for us you know at least we know it's just because we really enjoyed the show. And um, like I said, we don't really talk a lot of DC on here, but we both really love Suicide Squad and Peacemaker that I was like, we have to do an actual show about it where we can sit here and talk about it because it's just uh, so much fun. Um, Yeah, but that that's Peacemaker and that's Suicide Squad. So I guess we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, other DC stuff I'm really excited for. I'm going to be doing a, batman breakdown on here that's less than two weeks away already i got my tickets for that so i'm excited to go see i've been starting to watch all the press stuff with robert pattinson so um which i didn't do with spider-man honestly because i felt like it feels different when this is like this batman is totally unrelated to any other one so i'm trying to you know i'm getting hyped up with like this interpretation but with no way home like i was just too scared about like well, one, I knew they weren't going to say anything in these press releases anyway, because it's just like, oh, you'll see if there's three of us. Like, you know, there, there was nothing to gain from that. But also, it was already like the 25th, 27th movie of the MCU that I kind of already knew what I was expecting. With this Batman movie, it's like, I don't know what I'm expecting. This is going to be fun. This is going to be awesome. And then we have Black Adam in July, which is going to introduce Dr. Fate, one of my favorites. Um, he just looks badass. Uh, I got a Funko Pop for Christmas. Um, and then it also has the rest of the Justice Society in there, which is Adam Smasher, Cyclone, and um, who am I blanking on right now? Dr. Fate. Adam Unfortunately, Smasher. I can't help you with that. <laughs> Hawkman. I was blanking okay. on Hawkman. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then we have The Flash in november and then we have aquaman 2 in december so i'll be doing stuff for each of those as well um, i really want to find somebody to bring on for superman and lois because i really enjoyed that show i want to just kind of talk about that show kind of like how we did with peacemaker like i'm not doing a week by week thing but just kind of like a show as you know show so far or whatever um but yeah it's kind of the future of this so far i was actually thinking of making this its own feed as well just for people that wanted to find this without shifting through uh 30 recaps of mcu shows yeah. as well so i might just make a separate feed that these go up on as well if, if anybody's interested in that but yeah if you want to give us a follow right now we're, we're just on the mcu feed so that would be marvel plus recaps at gmail.com you can give us your thoughts on peacemaker suicide squad uh, Twitter at to infinity saga, 
facebook.com slash infinity saga beyond and uh for marvel stuff i i really want to get into i the moon knight we're gonna be you know moon knight is about a month away i'm really setting up where i'm going to read some moon knight and do like a little book club thing where we just talk about the the issues i'll try to find something that's on hoopla for people that have library cards you can check out stuff on hoopla for free and uh you can read along so that way if you listen to this you're not just listening to me talk about a comic you didn't read but you can actually kind of read it and then listen to my thoughts on it and uh dr strange trailer just came out what'd you think of that jack oh i'm so excited for it i i mean Hey, you you know that Doctor Strange is yeah. my fa- one of my favorite superheroes, along with Ant Man. Uh, those two are like my favorite two. So I am so excited to see the new Doctor Strange movie. I I'm I'm actually uh I I'm ordering a vintage Doctor Strange shirt, like uh, his original comics appearance, to nice. wear to that premiere when when that comes out because I. I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, there's so much incredible stuff in there. Could we get the Illuminati? Could we? I, I, think, I think we are. I think, I think we are. And uh, you know, like I, I'm Stewart. excited. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, his voice is kind of unmistake, unmistakable. So I, I, I think. Yeah, did you I hear think, what he said? Did you hear what he said? People were asking I, if that was him. And he said, well, no, people have been doing my imitation of my voice for, for a long time now. <laughs> Yeah, that's that sounds a lot like um the Andrew Garfield. Yeah, the Andrew Garfield responses to things. Uh but you know, it also looks like we might get Deadpool in the MCU now, which Captain I Carter. Loved. Yep. I, I love the Deadpool movies, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing that. Uh way better than Ryan Reynolds did as Green Lantern for sure. Uh so that, I that's like the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> it, it's fine. I I I but it's I fine. think I think that, uh, you know, he did better as Deadpool than as Greenland. Yes, I think, definitely. I think, I, uh, especially when you consider the 2009 version of Deadpool, uh, yeah. which we won't Do talk I, about him because he can't talk about himself. So, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it just looks like there's so much excitement going through in here. And, and I also like it because it looks like it's setting up sort of a dynamic with, um, with like gender issues as well, which I... I always like it when movies, especially superhero movies, take on those sorts of issues like Falcon and the Winter Soldier addressed racism mm-hmm. pretty, pretty well for, uh, you know, a six episode Marvel superhero show. Uh, but I, 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 I like how, how uh, you know, they're bringing in some of the stuff that, that Wando has been experiencing since uh, Civil War, you know, with uh, being seen as a monster when, whenever mm-hmm. she does anything where. Doctor Strange is seen as a hero when he when he does his stuff. So I I'm excited to see how that plays out. And I'm also hoping Mordo gets a bigger role because in all of the early Doctor Strange comics, he is Doctor yeah. Strange's arch nemesis. He he is. Like uh and you know, I, I I'm interested to see how they adapt that since the ancient one is no more. And uh the ancient one is kind of the main impetus for Mordo to be an enemy of strange in the comics but i'm in i'm i'm so hyped up for it i i i can't wait i sadly think it's not our mordo we see i i think you can see him in the illuminati shot unfortunately the long hair mordo so 
I I think that most of them maybe they're saving them for the third one and we'll get kind maybe. of like different Mordo here. Um as long as they don't like kill him off and then bring in this other Mordo cuz I yeah, they set him up for a big big story arc mm-hmm. in the MCU. Um but yeah, that that's in May. Definitely having you on for that movie. Definitely oh, going to yeah. have I, you on for that one. I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be in the theaters every day uh, of the week seeing that one. <laughs> so uh, it'll be tough to schedule you. I'll be like, okay, can you go between the 7 and 10 showing? Can I uh, <laughs> can I fit you in here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. may, may, maybe maybe not then, but between the 11th and 12th ones, I might have a little bit yes. of time. Uh, I can set up the recording studio in the theater maybe. In the know? theater, just, yeah. Yeah. Just between showings, just uh, – uh, all right, I'm I'm taking a I'm taking a quick three hour break to go see it again. I'll come back with some more thoughts in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for it too. That's the next movie that we have here, and then you know Thor: Love and Thunder, and then Black Panther. Maybe we'll see. We'll see if that wraps up in time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the big the Marvels question. got moved to next year, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'd be yeah. Black Panther. Yep. Yeah, She-Hulk, um, I think, is this summer, supposedly. It's supposedly, not a confirmed date. Yeah, we but, don't really know. Yeah. But yeah, so lots of stuff to look forward to. I'm also going to have Jack on. We're bringing back Behind the Dreams podcast. So if you're a Disney fan, uh, we're going to talk some, some Disney World stuff. Uh, you can check that out. Um, that'll be mostly a bi-weekly release. Uh, definitely not trying to put too much on my plate weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. And I hope everybody enjoyed that talk. And we'll see you next time when I talk the Batman, or you know, if you want to listen to the Marvel stuff, we have uh, some great Moon Knight pre content coming up here. And I hope everyone enjoys that.